Welcome to North Shore News Week. Hello, hello, North Shore, and welcome to another edition of North Shore News Week with Martin Carlino. I am Joe Coglin. We are two of the co-founders of the recordnorthshore.org, your friendly neighborhood nonprofit news website. Thanks for tuning in. We do this segment, this show in three segments as a way to get you uh, the news of the week in an easy to listen format. Just another way to make it accessible for you. Um, bit, of a, bit of a break from the norm here, but we're still going to start with the top story. Then we're going to break for a middle section, go up and down the shore. But we only have a couple uh, areas to cover as we highlight because we are feature heavy. So we're going to hit you with two features at the end for the special featured feature edition uh, or uh, segment, I should say, um, and double up down there. So to start things off, though, first a couple of announcements from the record. Um, we have a couple things going on that we wanted to let you know about. The All the details are on our website, um, as well as all these stories. So um, tune in at the recordnorthshore.org for that. But we are a nonprofit, as you guys know, as I say every week. Um, but so we are hosting a charity golf outing this summer. It's a Saturday, yay, uh, July 10th at uh, Chick Evans Golf Course in Morton Grove, just down Golf Road. Um, and it's, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. Come out with us. Uh, pretty fun. Uh, sun safe. We're going to be safe. We're going to follow the guidance, whatever they are that week. Uh, hopefully, um, pretty loose as they are now as we get better and better in this COVID pandemic. Um, <clears throat> and it's, uh, yeah, all the raised money, all the proceeds injected right into local news um, for you and your community. So check out our website um, for the link for everything else um, for the, the record open we're calling it right now, um, the, for the, the inaugural. So that should be fun. So that's number one. Number two, we have uh, another part of our service work that we do in the community that we feel is important is to um, open doors in this industry, as well as both for um, youth who want to maybe get into this industry, youth or, and as well as um, anybody who's interested in knowing more about how this happens, how, how local news is put out there, um, how the news industry works. And that both rolled up into our summer uh, youth and journalism workshop which will be held mid-July, all the details online. It's free for those to enter, thanks to the New Cheer Township. Thank you, New Cheer Township, for sponsoring this with a grant. And uh, yeah, we'll actually pay uh, people to be there, the, the students age 16 to 22, to come learn from industry experts. We have a, an excellent instructor, Marco Santana, on board who's gonna do it, and as well as the team from the record will be involved. And um, some industry leaders, some industry specialists come in and talk as well. So a lot to go on there. It's, it's a pretty cool thing in the summer. Check it out if you're youth that you know or you are a youth, um, 16 to 22. Could be interesting to you and you're gonna, we're going to have some fun too and learn a lot about the industry. And that's what we're doing this summer. So come <laughs> hang out with us. Um, and now we're going to go into the lead story. Lead story is uh, we're going to jump back into COVID just because there's been a lot of updates, both at the state level, um, and that obviously trickles down to the local level as the local level reacts to those um, loosened guidelines from J.B. Pritzker and company, um, which, and also from uh, on a national level as the Pfizer vaccine received um, approval for ages as young as 12. And that had an effect locally. Um, we're going to clue you in on some numbers locally as well and how we're doing as the metrics continue to uh, retreat a little bit. And so, Martin, what do we got? 
Yeah. So as you mentioned, Joe, we already had a chance to see that federal guidance from the CDC already start to be a factor here at the local level as two local vaccination clinics for that accepted um, adolescents as young as 12, year, 12, 12 years old already happened um, last week. So the first of those clinics was at Regina High School in uh, Wilmette, where more than 100 um, incoming and current Regina students, as well as members of the community, um, were vaccinated and did receive the first dose of their Pfizer vaccine. Um, and then also just a day later, the um, first clinic at Nutrier High School's Northfield campus that accepted um, that accepted patients as young as 12 years, 12 years old happened. And appointments for both of these filled up very quickly. Um, and it was what we expect, probably the first of a couple um, of these clinics that will start, up, start accepting people as young as age 12. So we have already started to see how that is going to um, play in at the local level. And this is going to go a long way in, um, I'm sure, many of our school districts' plans for full reopenings. Um, next school at the start of next school year come late August and early September. Yeah, so that's a lot of uh, local, I keep saying reaction, but it's not reaction, local uh, relevancy for you guys out there uh, about this. And then uh, just on a local level, you know, the numbers have continued to be low, although we have seen a tick up recently at the township level. Um, about one week ago, it was at 1.1 or 1.2 percent positivity we're up to three still not in danger territory by any means but there has been a bit of a uh, a bit of a surge there at least with those relative numbers um, and they've gone up um, as well in the the metric per 100,000 so basically per capita um, has gone up too but uh, there hasn't been an increase at Nutrier High School with um, positive screener tests or anything like that so um just to know it's kind of in the community right now. There's there's a bit of a pocket right now in the in the new Trier township. So keep an eye on that, and we'll we'll keep an eye on that. And hopefully get to the bottom of it for you. But that is the local news there. And then just related quickly to jump in here, Joe, to some local mitigation measures at at New Trier. We had a chance to cover the board of education's meeting. Uh, this Monday night, and one of the decisions that came out of those meetings is Superintendent Dr. Paul Sally let the community and the board know that for the rest of the school year, Nutrier will be following guidance from the CDC that recommends that um, mask wearing and social distancing remain in place until the end of the school year. So um, even though as vaccination numbers, um, you know, around the state and in our local communities, and even specifically at Nutrier continue to uptick and increase, those safety measures will be in place until at least the start of um, next school year. So no word yet on what um, necessary procedures and mitigations will need to be in place at the start of next school year. We'll probably get some more indication of that in the coming weeks of months. But for now, mask wearing, social distancing, still very much going to be a part of, uh, of the school day at Nutrier. And just to uh, go into some of those numbers I had referenced earlier, officials said at the meeting that right now around 90%, I believe the number they had quoted was 88% of Nutrier staff are fully vaccinated. And I believe it was 50% of Nutrier students ages 16 and over uh, have already received at least one dose of their COVID-19 vaccine. So some encouraging numbers and officials also said at that meeting that uh, by the start of next school year, they anticipate almost um, 
a very similar number as the staff vaccination um, number, which was close to 90%, as I mentioned, for students as well. So they anticipate that close to 90% of new chair students at the start of next year will be vaccinated. Yes, yeah, some high numbers coming out of um, New Trier um, for vaccination. Um, the vaccinated, I should say. So we'll keep you. We'll keep an eye on those and update you as they progress or as they uh, as they change, if you will. So that is our lead story for the week. Um, we're going to go into up and down the shore, our second segment, but we're just going to stop in a couple towns on our little ride down the shore and start in Glencoe. And in Glencoe, they changed over the winter. They they modified their snow removal process for residents and, and sidewalks. Uh, but residents weren't okay with that, at least some of them. And so they made another change. Yeah, and essentially gonna try to uh, compress this here for our listeners as effect efficiently and effectively as possible because there's a lot that went into this story and a lot of fine details. So I encourage anyone who's uh, extra interested in it to uh, take a look at the story because Everything is explained out and fleshed out there. But essentially, it is what you had said, Joe, a 2020 decision by Glencoe officials um, uh, regarding their snow removal operations had essentially um, reduced the number of overall residential sidewalk mileage that they were able to clear. So that reduction in the 2020-21 winter season was about 50% of what they would do in a normal year. So some of the thinking behind that was just to prioritize some of the routes uh, and sidewalks uh, that have a little bit of a higher priority because of the usage of them. So some of the uh, sidewalks that would access the downtown area, some of the sidewalks that would access the, th the schools throughout Glencoe, um, those type of routes. But uh, as you had mentioned there, Joe, it did get some resident pushback. And um, I think a village officials said that it, residents submitted some safety concerns and some uh, concerns that it does, did not live up to the um, typical standard of previous years that they have for snow removal operations. Some of those safety concerns uh, relied on sidewalks not being cleared and pushing residents out on the street while they were walking, obviously a, a bit of a safety concern there. And then also some, um, some related to uh, students having to walk to school during the winter season when there's snow on the sidewalks, et cetera. But essentially no final decision was made, but the village board did show support and did um, signal that it is willing to revert back to previous levels of service in previous years um, for the upcoming winter season. So no final decision, but it looks like the um, what officials had described as a pilot program for 2000 for the 2020 winter season will uh, be melting away here um, and going back to what was previously the norm in, in prior winter seasons in Glencoe. Yeah, and that story uh, is Martin meant a lot more details. So um, go to the website for the news, but stay for the puns that Marty throws in there about the winter <laughs> weather. Some good ones there early on in the story, so enjoy it. Um, we're going to skip down a few towns here as we mosey on down the shore and, and stop in Wilmette for an interesting um, event that's actually happening Thursday. So hopefully we get this podcast to you before then so you could register if you'd like because registration is open for a program called Racism in Wilmette, A Visual History, which is a virtual presentation from uh, a number of organizations, including the League of Women Voters, the Wilmette Historical Museum, and also with an assist from the Wilmette Women's Club. Um, but uh, it's this is based on a online um, exhibit put up by the museum earlier this year in January 
Um, and a lot of people were asking, according to officials from the, the museum, a lot of people were asking about racism in WOMAD. And they've asked on and off for a while. Those, those questions have intensified in, uh, in volume, at least in the past year, ever since the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis in May of last year. So, and all of the, of course, ensuing uh, protest marches. WOMAD had one called Wake Up WOMAD, um, Walk to End Racism, and they happen around the country as well. So the uh, museum put together a, a gallery um, from just items they have. They wanted to make sure Rachel Ramirez, who's the curator of, of the museum, made sure to tell me that uh, it's not comprehensive. It's just from the resources and some of the donated items they already have. They are seeking more um, items if you should have them and you're free to contact them. But just about the history of, um, you know, whether it's bigotry or, or just general discrimination in Wilmette um, involving um, Housing practices specifically is a big um, is a big one, unfair and at times predatory. Um, and then as well as um, some performing arts um, events that happened in the early half of the of the 20th century um, that uh, used blackface. And I don't want to spoil the whole thing for this presentation, um, so I hope you guys can check it out. But uh, it's uh, it's probably going to be a bit of hard to watch as this is your town, but you know, some good quotes from the people putting this together is um, <clears throat> without acknowledging how we got here, we're not truly educating ourselves. We need to acknowledge the past. So this educates people on what has happened in the past and what we need to move forward from. And that's for Ann Sullivan um, with the League of Women Voters of Wilmette. Um, and they're, like I said, they're, they're kind of the hosts of this and hosting the historical museum it'll be a presentation um, and they'll walk through all the items that they have and you know Rachel Ramirez said history plays a part in everything we do you know nothing comes from nothing everything happens in this community and forms the community so pretty much how Wilmette got to the place it is um, is because of things that happened in the past so it's um, important to know what those things are so you can know what to grow from and uh, acknowledge to people, you know, um, a lot of people, it's important to acknowledge the past did happen. That's their message. And that's what they'll be talking about tomorrow night. It is a very popular program. Um, they had to move it kind of, you know, the inner workings of Zoom. They had to move it from a meeting to a webinar, which has to do with the amount of people. So there are already up near um, 200 people um, who are uh, going to check it out, maybe more by now. But uh, we have that whole story on our site and you can really just go to the League of Women Voters to, to, to clue into the event. I hope to get this, this uh, podcast up in the morning to see if you guys can uh, check that out. But um, important event, event from uh, a couple local organizations. And that is up and down the shore. That's our kind of condensed version because we're going to give you a, uh, a twofer in our featured features. We're going to touch on a couple things that have, have a bit to do with New Trier. Um, students who uh, did some really cool stuff. We're going to start with uh, some fun because um, go-karts are always fun, Mark. <laughs> yeah, so this was a great feature story from our managing editor, Megan Bernard, who had the chance to detail uh, what I think is fair to describe as a bit of a, a revamped automotive course at New Trier. So uh, essentially a, a group of New Trier students in the sophomore, sophomore to senior range are part of this class. And one of the projects that takes place as part of this class is the building of go-karts. So um, we've got some really awesome photos and videos in the pictures. And this has been a part of the class for a couple of years, but it, it took on a little bit of a special meeting this year 
um, because of everything that went uh, that went that went on with the pandemic. Obviously, um, traditionally in a in a quote unquote normal year, students was would only work on this go kart project for um, part of the year, but they worked on it for the entirety of the class this year because of the challenges of the pandemic and uh, some some shifts in in person learning versus versus remote lear learning, but uh, the teacher of the course said that uh, that enabled the students to even build, you know, more of a bonding experience working on these because uh, it was stretched out a little bit longer than it would be. But they built, these students built these go-karts from uh, the top up, you know, completely uh, worked on everything from, you know, constructing, constructing the actual cart to the electronics of it. Um, and everything and all the technology that goes into it. So there's a great video in the story that showcased what the finished product comes out to uh, on the uh, on the Winneka campus lawn. There are some some real nice rides <laughs> there. But yeah, really fun feature story from Megan about some uh, electric go-karts that uh, came out to be a really awesome project for a group of new cheer students. Yeah, cool. Check out that whole story. Um... Also, some great auto puns in that one too. So, <laughs> we just had a very pun-heavy week. We we had some fun with always, our always. <laughs> and uh, number two in the uh, <clears throat> the double feature here in the featured feature is uh, about AJ Weiss, who's a junior at New Trier, um, and he well this year he was a student by day and a Columbia firefighter by night. Um, pretty cool story. Um, shout out to author Aaron Yarnell. Um, one of our colleagues who uh, is also a big fan of the country of Columbia, where she was a uh, where she visited and was a was a teacher for a little bit. So, um, pretty cool story. So, in November of 2020, AJ traveled to Columbia uh, after the country had lifted its travel ban related to the COVID-19 pandemic, and he stayed there for five months. He had just returned in March of 2021. So. He enrolled in a program there that accepted participants uh, as young as 16, and he trained uh, and worked to become an EMT and a firefighter in the country. So keep in mind, he did all this while also still participating and um, taking part in his e-learning at Nutrier. So um, pretty crazy, but he thought about delaying his, his volunteer trip to the country, but um, volunteer, volunteerism is something that was very important to him and that uh, idea of giving back and the service um, that goes into it. So uh, he wanted to take the chance that while virtual learning was taking place, he could figure out a way to also devote his time to um, serving others. And he did exactly that. Yeah. And he would go to school, um, I believe for about seven hours, um, take the classes and um, you know get his homework done, do an hour of homework after the after the virtual classes, and then he would work a 12 hour shift. You know, there aren't that many hours in a day, Marty. I don't know how this kid, <laughs> did, but pretty cool stuff. Um, you know, Bello, the city he was in, in Columbia, uh, services 700,000 residents. So it's a very large uh, district that this fire department serves. Um, and he was, he was right in the middle of it, he, working as a firefighter as well as an EMT, um, whether it was uh, delivering. PPE or just right on the front line. So pretty cool stuff here from AJ Wise. Read the whole story. Aaron did a great job breaking down exactly, um, you know, what AJ Wise did and why. Yeah, really, really awesome feature story about one of your local neighbors. And that's, uh, that's one of the areas that we really pride ourselves on. And we're happy to bring you those stories. And that is 
the feature feature uh so that is the show um that's our three segments thank you guys so much for tuning in again um those stories and so much more at our website uh, find out more details about our programming like the uh the golf outing this summer as well as our youth and journalism workshop uh we also want to give a special shout out to all our pizza pies for headlines partners um We've done five straight Wednesdays now of fundraising at local pizza shops. Today's the last one. I'm excited to get some um, Napolita here in Wilmette, which is actually right downstairs from our office. But um, so we're excited for that. Thank you to them. Thank you to Lou's. Thank you to Grateful Bites, uh, North Shore Pizza Company. Um, and I can't believe I'm forgetting one. Marco Romo. Oh my gosh, Marco Romo. Thanks so much. So thanks to all those and thanks to everybody who participated in helping the fundraise and helping support local business and local news and listening to this podcast we're very thankful for you as well so we'll be back uh next week um so see you then thanks for listening Bye.